God, thank you so much for this morning, a chance to come together and corporately worship. Thank you for this Advent season during which you've been preparing us for Christmas Day. We pray for the many celebrating Christmas in the coming days around the world as they sing carols and celebrate with family and open gifts. Um, Lord, may they be reminded that we celebrate because of the good, good news that Jesus came to earth. May they experience your love and presence. And God, we pray for the many who are hurting during the Christmas season. We ask that you give them peace and hope. We also pray over the areas where COVID is surging or expected to surge. And Lord, we just ask for your protection, for your wisdom for each of us. And we especially pray for healthcare workers. God, we give you this morning. May our worship be a sweet fragrance to you. Speak to us. Please shape us, both individually and corporately, so that we can shine your light in the week to come. We love you, Lord. Amen. Good morning. My name is Sean Reese, and uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it? It's the most wonderful time of the year. And that's good news, right? And yet, when I opened up the news this morning, I didn't see much good news. Um, I don't think I saw any good news. Uh, For one, our schools had a threat against them on Friday. I don't know if you heard about that. Um... At least five homeless people died this week just in the, in the Bay Area because of the cold. There were wars and rumors of wars. And of course, we're still in the midst of a global pandemic. Indeed, our world is cracked and broken. And the evidence is everywhere. From the violence of individuals and governments to the existence of Omicron, to the darkness residing in the hearts of all people. It seems the whole world is groaning under the weight of its brokenness. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're groaning under the weight of your own brokenness. It doesn't feel like the most wonderful time of the year for you. Perhaps you've suffered many losses in your life. Perhaps your life has been flooded with disappointments and frustrations. Perhaps there's a war in your own soul and you haven't been able to find peace. Perhaps you're just exhausted from this pandemic that's never ending. Well, Advent is actually a time to reflect on the bad news of our world, on the pain and suffering of our broken world, because this is why God had to send his son. And this is why I have good news for you this morning. It is the most wonderful time of the year because Jesus Christ, the son of God, has come. And because he has come, that means there is hope for this cracked and broken world. And there is hope for a cracked and broken me 
and a cracked and broken you. Let's pray. Well, Father God, we uh, thank you for this time, this most wonderful time of the year because of the gift of your son who astonishingly became one of us. And now in your mercy and grace, fill us with your hope and your love and your joy and your peace this morning through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you've been with us through our Advent series this year, you'll know that we're calling it Advent Beginnings. And we're spending each week looking at the birth narrative in each gospel. So Bernard began, uh, began us in Matthew, sharing how this baby in a manger unsticks us as he unstuck the story of Israel. Eugene followed with John, sharing about God's love from scratch. Last week, Brian shared from Luke and shared about the proclamation of the good news that stays news and stays good. Today, I get to share from Mark. Now, if you know anything about the gospel of Mark, you'll know I drew the short straw. Mark doesn't even have a birth narrative. As Bernard shared the first week, Mark was so excited about writing his gospel, he totally skips the birth narrative. In fact, I've searched far and wide. I haven't found one Advent sermon on Mark. So we're making history today. (laughs) Yes, we're making history. And yet, I do have good news for you this morning. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come and let earth receive her king. Okay, so I I want you to imagine something. Imagine you're in a coffee shop in Rome 2,000 years ago. We'll call it Caesar's Bucks. (laughs) And you're drinking from a stone cup that says, carry the Mary on it. There you go. And you're feeling quite merry because you're living comfortably in the Roman Empire. You know the Roman Empire rules the world. Well, ever since Augustus became Caesar, before him, the empire almost collapsed under many troubles. It went from emperor to emperor to emperor, causing great instability until Augustus came to power. But he led the empire to become stronger than ever. In fact, Augustus became known as Rome's savior because he had brought peace to the land, famously called Pax Romana. So you're sitting in Caesar's bucks, and a man bursts through the door, and he says, Hear ye, hear ye, I have good news for you. It's the best news you'll ever hear. He then pulls a stone tablet out of his back pocket. And he reads this. Since providence has set in most perfect order by giving us Augustus, sending him as a savior, both for us and for our descendants, that he might end war and arrange all things. And since the birthday of the God Augustus was the beginning of the gospel for the world that came by reason of him. 
The man puts the stone tablet back into his pocket and walks off. And you say, oh, it's Augustus' birthday. And that's the gospel. Now, 60 years later, a man named Mark shows up and he writes a book that begins with these words, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark is writing a book about this man, Jesus, and he begins by echoing that stone inscription, which is an actual inscription found on a stone in Turkey in the 19th century. It's called the Preene Stone. Whereas that inscription about Augustus was something huge, announcing an historical event that apparently was the gospel for the entire world, Mark says otherwise. Augustus isn't the content of the gospel. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is. And to further demonstrate how huge Mark's gospel is, Mark echoes Genesis 1-1 in his first words. As Genesis began with God's creative work in the beginning... So Mark begins his book with a new creative work. This book I'm writing, Mark says, is not simply any old book. And this page will not simply be just another page of a Bible. <laughs> what Mark is claiming is that the coming of Jesus is the beginning of a whole new creation. And that's the gospel so what does this word gospel mean? Well, as you can see in the first century, it's not just a religious word. It's a secular word that means glad tidings or good news. It was typically used for public celebrations or victories in battle or in the case of the preening stone, the birthday of an emperor. A significant event had happened in one place that had implications for other places. Now, the Old Testament also makes use of this word, as in Isaiah 52, a verse that you may, um, may recognize. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who proclaims the gospel, typically translated the good news who publishes peace, who proclaims the gospel of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And Mark takes this word gospel and uses it for Jesus. He is the beginning of the good news. Now Jesus as a word simply means Yahweh saves or God saves. This name Jesus was divinely given to Joseph in Matthew and Mary in Luke in those birth narratives. So just in this name, we find that Augustus is not savior of the world, Jesus is. And Mark then provides two more bits of good news. Right away in his first sentence, Jesus is the Christ. 
He's the anointed one, meaning he's the long-awaited Messiah from the line of David who would bring salvation to the entire world. Jesus is also the Son of God. Royal terminology for God's representative to his people. This king is God's representative to bring peace to his kingdom. And this person will have a special father-son relationship with the living God. Now, Augustus had actually taken this title for himself when he became emperor. So Mark, in his first sentence, is clearly saying Augustus is not the Savior and he's not the bringer of peace. Jesus is. After all, everyone in the first century knew that Pax Romana was a joke. It certainly wasn't peace for the little people. And it certainly wasn't peace for the world. Rome just destroyed anything or anyone that stood in its way. And it certainly didn't reach the human heart. Mark says, don't look to political leaders as your savior. Look to Jesus, the Christ, the son of God, who brings real and lasting peace to everyone who believes, a peace that passes all understanding. And that is good news. Well, I have even more good news for you this morning. We've already said that the gospel means good news. But what else can we say about this word, gospel? This is the second most important question you can ever ask. What is the gospel? The first most, the first, the most important question you can ask is what, is who is Jesus? Who is this baby in the manger to me? Who is he? The second most important question, though, is what is the gospel? How would you answer that question? The reason this is so important is because it gathers up all the truths surrounding Jesus under this one question. So what is the gospel? What is the good news? Well, fundamentally, the gospel is an event. As we said, a significant event had happened in one place that had implications in other places. It is news. And news is a particular kind of information that comes to us from the outside. It usually takes us away from our preoccupations to focus us on whatever the event was. If it's big enough news, it'll change us forever. The 49ers won last week. <laughs> That's news. Not sure that'll change you forever, but it is news. Victory in Europe. That was news. And that changed the world forever. Of course, there is bad news. So 9-11. That was an event. That was news. That was bad news. And it changed us forever. Of course, we all remember when a loved one dies, we typically remember where we heard the news. And that changes us forever as well. News disrupts us. And it rearranges our sense of the world, both inside us and outside of us. Mark's news about Jesus changes everything. 
That's why I loved listening to, to Christine sing, Mary, Did You Know? That song, those lyrics explain how Mark's news about the coming of Jesus changes everything. Mary, did you know this baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know this baby boy has come to make you new? The child that you delivered will soon deliver you. The coming of Jesus is news that changes everything. I can imagine Mark just shaking with excitement as he writes his good news. Something has happened. Something that affects everything and everyone in history. And what is it? The Jesus event. The Jesus event. The gospel, the good news, is a person. Jesus Christ and his event. The gospel is not an idea or a principle or a philosophy or a new type of morality or a new set of rules. The gospel is not even advice on how to live or 10 steps to a better life. The gospel is a person, a person. And that person is not us. At our men's retreat this year, Dave and Luke Deal shared about um, Luke's traumatic fall in Tahoe last summer and how God healed him. And I remember um, Dave saying throughout the talk, throughout the story, You know, this story is not about us. This story is about God, and may he be glorified. The gospel is a person, and his event, the Jesus event, yes, the living God has a date in history. This story does not begin once upon a time. Jesus was born into our reality. This event didn't happen in heaven or some remote planet or even in a world of ideas. It happened in real human history. The living God became flesh and blood. Is there a more wonder-filled, extraordinary statement than that? This is the news that should be plastered on every newspaper and newscast and on every news feed and every app. The headline should say, Jesus has come. He's come. Hear ye, hear ye. The living God has become one of us. Jesus, who was with God and was God, is conceived, is born, grows up, is baptized, has a ministry of preaching, teaching, and healing, is crucified, resurrected, ascends, and from his throne in heaven pours out his spirit at Pentecost. This is the Jesus event, and this is good news. It's the most wonderful time of the year because of the Jesus event. But there's more. The gospel, the good news, also includes the fact that there's a script. And the script is being followed. The Jesus event doesn't come out of nowhere. It emerges from the actual history of Israel. The gospel, the good news, happens according to script. 
according to God's purposes and God's plans. And that's exactly where Mark goes next in his book. He goes to the script of the Old Testament. He says this, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Each of the four gospels begin the story of Jesus with John the Baptist. And why? Because John is the voice of Advent. Mark says the script is being followed. The script said God's messenger would come, proclaiming, hear ye, hear ye, the Lord is coming. Emmanuel, God with us is coming. John, according to Mark, is that messenger. He is following the script. Now in the Gospel of John, you knew I would get to John sometime today, we find John the Baptist's motto for life. He points at Jesus. He says, he must increase. I must decrease. That was John the Baptist's life. Jesus must increase, and he must decrease. Would that be our motto as well? Especially during this Christmas season. Here in Mark, John's appearance means the Jesus event is happening according to script. And yet, the script isn't finished. The Jesus event is not complete. The gospel, the good news, also includes one more event, the fulfillment of a great promise. Jesus has promised to come back again, which is something we celebrate also during Advent each year. Throughout all of our yearly Advents runs this deep longing for the final Advent, when Jesus will return and completely fix this cracked and broken world, when he will return to transform the whole cosmos and fill it with love and joy and peace. That's our ultimate hope. That man in Caesar's bucks thought Caesar Augustus was in charge of the future with his sword. But no, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, with his nail-scarred hands, is in charge of the future. And that means the future is certain. In some sense, our entire lives are one long Advent season as we await the final advent. And we say with the early church, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Well, I have even more good news for you this morning. The gospel, the good news, also includes the meaning and implications of the Jesus event. 
As I said, the gospel is huge. So what are the implications of the Jesus event? We've been singing them all morning, haven't we? And we could answer that question with big words like propitiation, redemption, justification, reconciliation, righteousness, adoption, access, etc., etc., etc. We could even answer that question with words like justice and hope and love and joy and peace. The meaning and implications of the Jesus event are huge. And it is all good news. It's all good news. So how do you respond to all of that good news this morning? How do you respond to it? You know, as we've walked through each birth narrative in each gospel during the series, I've been struck by how all the characters in all the birth narratives responded to the good news. And I think they help us to know how to respond. The shepherds stopped what they were doing to go and see this newborn king. The magi also stopped what they were doing and went way out of their way on a long, expensive journey to worship the newborn king. Joseph obeyed God's words, even though they didn't make any sense, and he took Jesus into his family. And Mary. Mary models the most appropriate response of all. She says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She surrenders her life to God's purposes and God's will. All the characters in the story respond to the good news by changing their normal routines and then reorienting their lives around Jesus. You could say they began living by the motto, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. So how do you respond to all of that good news, all of this good news this Christmas season? What would it look like for you for Jesus to increase in your life? You could become a good newsizer. You could go tell it on the mountain. Becoming a good newsizer. As we said, this is public news. The word gospel, as we saw, is not a religious word, meaning it's not just for the religious realm of life. It's not just for the church. And it's not just for the personal realm of life. The good news is public news for all people in all places. That means it has huge implications for the life of Cupertino, for the life of the Bay Area, for the life of the world. 
this news impacts everyone everywhere. It has implications for classrooms and courts, for fields and finance, for boardrooms and bedrooms, for pool halls and pubs, and even for the halls of government. And we're the ones to proclaim it and live it. We're the good newsizers. We're now the ones who burst through the door at Starbucks with everyone drinking out of cups to say, carry the Mary. And we're the ones saying, hear ye, hear ye. I have good news for you. The best news you'll ever hear. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come. We don't need to tell people how to live their lives. We don't need to tell people how broken they are. We don't even need to tell people good advice. We can be like John the Baptist, pointing at Jesus, with words and actions centered on Jesus increasing, and words and actions centered on me decreasing. As one writer frustrated with the church said this, he said, what I need first of all is not exhortation, but a gospel. Not directions for saving myself, but knowledge of how God has saved me. Have you any good news, church? That's the question I ask of you. I know your exhortations will not help me. But if anything has been done to save me, will you not tell me that good news? That's the cry of our world. And we're the good newsizers. The living God has come. Here is our Redeemer. Here's our Savior. Here's the Son of God who brings with him hope and love and joy and peace. Here is the only hope for a cracked and broken world and a cracked and broken me and a cracked and broken you. That's the good news I have for you today. It is the most wonderful time of the year because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come. Amen and amen. Well, part of being good newsizers is participating in communion. And today, we celebrate communion as the good news meal. Today we get the privilege of celebrating communion with our families as a church family. And for you kiddos, imagine you're having a special meal with relatives, maybe a Thanksgiving meal where a nice tablecloth is set and nice dishes are used, maybe even nice napkins. And of course we have these little elements. <laughs> but that's what we're doing here a special church family meal where Jesus has invited us to come. And he welcomes us and he nourishes us through this meal. So all of us who trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior are welcome to join in this morning.
And of course, it is here where all those big theological words come into play. We'll just focus on love and peace. That's good news in and of itself, isn't it? Out of God's great love for us, he sent his son. And for the joy set before him, Jesus made peace with us through his blood shed on the cross. So as we prepare for Christmas Day, we celebrate that Jesus came into our world in order that he would eventually go to the cross for us, making a peace that passes all understanding. It's also in this meal where we look forward to him coming again and setting everything right, wiping every tear from our eyes. Yes, this meal is a good news meal. Now receive this benediction. During this Christmas season, go be a good newsizer and have beautiful feet. How beautiful are your feet when you proclaim the good news, when you live in peace and proclaim the good news of great joy that will be for all people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Merry Christmas.